Well, our names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. And we live in a van and we eat from the trash, making this podcast open for cash. You better listen up because we probably won't last because we can't compete with nonsense. Hypnotizing nonsense. Oh, society sucks and we don't need it. It's killing your kids, so why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to heed it. You can give them the finger. There's no time to linger. So, thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it, cause we'll be gone. Over that next horizon. We ain't got no Welcome to Escaping Society, Episode 4, Simplicity and Minimalism. My name's Teresa. And I'm Gumby. And I guess we'll start off first by talking about what is simplicity and minimalism. Um, Gumby, like, what do you think about those words? Um, let's see. Well, for one thing, we are not acting like we have this, like we're gurus or experts in this in any means. This is definitely a work in progress. So we're just trying to share, like, uh, you know, what we found and what we're working on where we're at now. Hopefully, if we did this podcast a year from now, it would be completely different because that would mean we're growing, and that's that's our goal. I find that simplicity, um, I used to think of, like, the Leonard Skinner song, you know, Simple Man, and it was something that I could go do. I could go, like, live in the mountains, and then I'd be the simple man, or I could get rid of all my crap, and then I'd be the simple man. I could quit my job. But what I found is that the complexity is inside um there's this guy pig killer in the mad max movie that says wherever you go there you are um and that's what i found with simplicity like i carry it with me if i go into the woods i'm gonna make that complicated if i quit my job i'm gonna find ways to be complicated around the house so the simplicity is an internal thing i'm working on to be a simpler person um our society has so filled our head with complexity um and minimalism is the external act of it for me. So the goals of minimalism are to create an environment around me that I can be a simpler person internally. Um, so there's this great quote. Um, most of us are familiar with the idea, if not the quote, that says, few rich men own their property. Their property owns them. And we've all felt like that, you know, if we've got a house, if we've got a car, um, it kind of ties us down. Like even Teresa and I, we're living out of a van right now. And there are certain things, certain places that we don't go because we got to think of what are we going to do with the van? You know, we got to leave it parked in a safe place. And that's always in the back of our head. Is our van okay? Um, when we had a house, you know, we had to be back in time to pay bills. We had to worry about, you know, the cliche, did I leave the stove on? Um, we have a dog, you know, I hate to think of a dog as a possession, but he is a responsibility. And so when we take off, we got to think of our responsibilities to our dog, Sherlock. Um, so all these, these things in our life, um, and again, I hate including a dog as a thing, but I hope you get the idea what I'm after here, but they own us 
you know, for everything. We're taught to acquire, to acquire. The rich man has a bunch of stuff, and that's a mark of his success. Um, but those are all chains. Those are all responsibilities. Those are things that impede our freedom. So the rich man with his giant mansion, think about all the effort he has to put into protecting that, the security system. Um, you know, depending on how rich he is, maybe hiring a guy to work the gate. Uh, the butlers to clean it, the house cleaners. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something I think of. Like anytime I pick up something now and add something to my life, is is it going to help me be free, which is my goal, or is it going to be a weight? Um, you know, this this insanity of consumerism. We're taught to get more and more stuff, and that a mark of success is the person with the most stuff. The um, most up-to-date app, the most up-to-date technology, the newest car, you know, trade in your two-year-old car for the new car. Um, this is a successful person. I believe that this is insanity, that this is part of what's killing the world, killing your children and your grandchildren, killing us all, is this upside-down thinking. I believe that a mark of maturity is to take pride in how little you need. A real man, a real woman, a mature, fully realized human being doesn't need a giant toy box. This is a childish um, trait, characteristic. You know, it's the kid who doesn't know any better than to just keep grabbing all the toys, toys he doesn't need, and then to be possessive. Mine. No, you can't play with it. That's mine. And we're taught to um, do this. We're really encouraged to grab stuff, keep stuff, hoard stuff, more stuff. Mm -hmm. Get a bigger house because we've got so much stuff. And it's completely backwards. You know, if we care about this planet and we care about our children, and everybody says they care about their children, but you start looking at the actions that we're all taught, you got to wonder what that means nowadays. You know, when we have this pile of stuff and we know the cost of this stuff, um, is it helping us? Is it helping us love our children, much less our grandchildren, those yet to be born? So that's part of what I'm after with minimalism is to take that paradigm, that acquisition, and to say, you know what? I don't care what the neighbors think. I am proud when I can like have enough stuff just to fit in a car or a van. I've even had just enough stuff to fit in a backpack before. And to not feel poor because that's what our culture teaches. And why does it teach us that? Because it wants you to be a consumer. Think of who benefits when you feel like you got to buy a bunch of crap. You know, it's not you. It's certainly not your kids. I've worked with a lot of uh, middle-class people in middle-class homes. I've been a house cleaner. I've been a dog walker. And I have never seen a more miserable freaking group of people. I've also been around a lot of poor people that supposedly didn't have much. And on the whole, of course, this is a big generalization. I feel like I see more happy poor people. When I say poor, I mean poor. I'm talking about poverty. They're generous, they recognize gifts, and I'm not talking about drug addiction and insanity here, because there's plenty of that out there too, but just the acquisition of goods. So we need to take, take a close look at that. Um, I've definitely been somebody with too much stuff. So I've had like piles of stuff, and one of the times in my life that I really had to downsize to try to simplify my life. And again, simplify. This was before I realized how much of that was in my head. 
but to minimize the stuff that was holding me back was um, one of the last times I had to move into my car. This was before we got the van together. This was before I met Teresa. And I had stuff. I got a storage bin, and, uh, you know, I was starting to look at the stuff in my storage bin, and I was like, what am I keeping it for? It's gathering dust. You know, it's kind of, is it time to get rid of it? And finally decided it was. And here's one thing that helped me. My mom is kind of a hoarder. She holds on to a lot of stuff, and I've been trying to get her to try this for years and years and years. My mom has yet to try it, but... For anybody out there that's like right on the edge, you're like, you're sick of looking at all your crap, maybe this will help you. I make three piles. I can look at all my stuff and just go through it all. And right away, you know, this is all about quickness. I know stuff that I don't need right away. Like there's stuff I can put in the pile like that can go. Don't know where it's going to go yet. Some of it I may, you know, it's trash. Nobody wants it. I'm just going to throw it away. Some of it somebody else might want. I'm going to take it someplace, maybe a thrift store. Who knows? So... Quickly, that goes in the to-go pile. There's other stuff that I quickly know, oh, I'm not getting rid of that. That is useful. My Leatherman multi-tool, for instance. You know, I'm keeping that. I use it every day. It would be stupid to get rid of that. That's something that counts. That goes straight into the I'm keeping pile. Now, I've minimized my pile because what I've got is an I don't know pile to look at. And then I attack that, and I do the same thing, basically. Except this one's a little more ambiguous. Now, instead of the definite to go, it's, I think I can probably do without that. I move that over into a pile. And then, I think I probably want to keep this. I move that into a pile. That just helps me quickly start making progress. Because what I found with people that really have a problem, who want to minimize, who I can have this conversation with, and they nod their heads and say, yeah, I get it, you know, I got too much stuff, and they don't know how to move forward, it's because it seems like a mountain. So right away, this piles idea that worked for me is a way of breaking that mountain into a pile of molehills. And then it's a little more manageable. Um, So yeah, see if that works for you. Give it a try. Definitely give me some feedback if it worked for you or maybe you had some innovations of your own. Um, But try the piles thing. That got me down to stuff that I could fit in my car. And I still to this day, when I've got to like downsize for whatever reason, those piles help me greatly. Yeah, and uh, I can relate so much when uh, when I moved out of my house years ago and I waited until the last minute. I had every good intention of going through every single item that I owned and, like, finding a, a place for it. And I repeated that, actually, when, uh, when Gumby and I were transitioning into our tiny house and then into the van. Um, there's just too much. There, I mean, even if your friends think that you don't have a lot of stuff like oh you know you're a minimalist what kind of things do you have I guarantee you that she could fill up a storage unit that's like a four by six because I did and (laughs) that was after going through all of the stacks of stuff that I had Um, but if you're not quite ready to move out to uh, a smaller abode whether it's a van or something else you could try backpacking because that's also a way to see things that you really need versus maybe stuff that you think you need, but you really don't. Um, so the first time I went seriously backpacking was with Gumby and, uh, I was so embarrassed. Like I waited until the morning of to pack everything. And I, I had stuff laid out on the, on the floor of my bedroom, but then I started putting it in the backpack that I had uh, borrowed from my mom 
and all of a sudden the backpack was too full. Like I couldn't lift it. It was too full and there was no way this was going to work. So I ended up like, (laughs) I think I ended up having another pack on the front of me. So I had like a backpack (laughs) on the back of me. Yeah, you were carrying it like a baby. Yeah, I was carrying it like a, like a baby sling on the front of my body. And Gumby's like, what do you have? What are you doing? Um, so (laughs) the reason why I say backpacking is a lot of people are into that now. And like REI has a store full of stuff that, that supposedly you need. But once you start carrying everything that you think you need on your body, you start to realize that maybe some of that stuff isn't necessary. Like maybe, I think Gumby, you mentioned somebody that said like something that you carry on your person maybe has like two or three uses and that's Cody Lundin. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, that's, that's pretty strict, but the same idea of like, do I need a washcloth and a bandana? Can I just use a bandana for both? And it seems like, oh, what's a washcloth way versus a bandana? Oh my gosh. But if you do that with everything, you save like pounds off of your back. Um, another time that I realized all the things I didn't really need was when Gumby and I, uh, went on a houseless retreat and I'll probably let y'all let Gumby talk a little bit more about that too. Um, but the houseless retreat, we were only able to bring two things with us and neither of them could be money of any kind. Um, so I ended up bringing a blanket and a, uh, what else did I bring? A blanket and a a bag, I think like some sort of day pack or something. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even end up needing both. Like I could have done both jobs with the blanket because Gumby knows how to make a backpack out of a blanket. And we ended up at the end of this trip and Gumby can talk more about that. We ended up carrying so much stuff that we had been given that we had scavenged and found. And, uh, it was amazing. It was like, you go out, walk out of the house with two things, you come back with more. Um, but that was definitely an enlightening experience. Here, Gumby, I'll turn it over oh, to you. would you mind talking a little bit about your storage unit? Because we both mentioned that. Like, what do you, <laughs> since we're talking about stuff, what does that storage unit, like, represent for you, and what do you use it for? Yeah, I'm not really proud of having the storage unit, but I will say, like I mentioned before, if you think you don't have a lot of stuff, um, you do. I'm pretty sure. Unless you're mm-hmm. living out of a backpack, you have more stuff than what you know you have. Um, we were moving out, and... There just, for me, always seems to be a reason why I can't get rid of stuff or I can't at least go through it like Gumby was talking about um, making the three piles. And it sucks. I mean, it's a mental block that I have as as many other people do. And um, so I ended up taking some things to the thrift store, but a lot of the things I've kept are, um, gosh, I, I have like a whole entire box of people, you know, refer to them as memories I mean, they're sitting in an underground storage unit, and I can't enjoy them. Oh, and I gotta say, I really like some of the ways you use your storage unit, because, like, you, Teresa has, like, non-perishable foods in there. (laughs) So, you know, there's a lot of, like, useful stuff. So, it's not just a matter to me of, like, not having stuff. It's the stuff that counts. Like... You know, that food has been, is still proving to be useful. Yeah, and we um, we do make treks back to the storage unit to, to kind of resupply our van 
uh, with things and, and drop off things in the van that we don't need anymore just by being in a small space. We're like, you know what? This doesn't make any sense. We don't need this. We thought we did. We don't. Um, but yeah, the storage unit, I do feel proud that a year's worth of the storage unit is still like just as much as what we were paying for rent for one month. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much a money thing. I'm just kind of, I'm still working through all of my mental stuff, um, simplifying in my mind. Like, do I really need to keep this? Can I take a picture of it? My mom did that with a lot of my stuff and my brother's stuff. Like, do I really need to keep this? baby book for example I know that breaks people's hearts but my mom's like it's a digital age <laughs> let's just like digitize all this and they were moving across the country so they she had a so over parenting <laughs> they had a <laughs> she's so over it um they had a valid reason to reduce their uh, their amount of stuff as well so yeah the past couple years have been really enlightening as far as backpacking and the houseless retreat and uh and moving Gumby do you want to talk uh, a little bit more about that yeah um so the backpacking, like one of the things I love about backpacking is it's hard to be like sometimes to be a minimalist in our home because everything there is a story. It has some kind of sentimental value. But when you're backpacking, you know, that stuff eventually acquires sentimental value too. But when you step into it, I encourage everybody to go backpacking because what we're talking about with escaping society, what happens when you escape society? What, what, what's the next paradigm? What's the next story we find ourselves in if we escape this madness? If we decide, you know, the story that is about to end in a very ugly, sad, tragic way. I mean, look at the environment. Look at so many things that we all agree on, no matter how you vote, no matter what religion you are. You know, there's an ending looming over us, and we all feel it, and that seems to be one of the few things people can agree on now. Um, so if you don't accept that, if you reject that, you escape society, what we're talking about is getting back to nature. We're talking about a wilder existence. We're talking about giving up this illusion of control and putting ourselves back in the hands of something greater, nature. You know, this whole recycling, regenerative force that we call nature. Nature knows how to do it. Nature knows cycles. Nature knows how to tell a story, an ongoing story, without an ending, you know, coming, looming over us. Scientists tell us there's an end to nature, but even they say it's way, way, way off, except for our culture's influence. So backpacking, that starts getting you out there, you know. It's definitely not the end of the story, but it's a good beginning. If the only way to get out there right now from where you are is to go to the REI and get all that commercial new crap, overpriced stuff, do it. Like, go buy it, because that will get you out there, and then you can start working on minimizing. Um, another beautiful thing about backpacking, it gets you away from all those devices, all those distractions, all those things that are brainwashing us. You're out there, suddenly you're listening to the rivers. We're out camping right now. Um, we've got a great place in the mountains that we park our van, and we just go out, and there's fire pits, and next to a stream. The fire's still smoking in front of us from cooking breakfast and coffee. Um, beautiful little meadow. And it feels so good just to like have us, Sherlock, our dog, and you know, nature. We're listening to birds right now and the wind in the treetops. Um, so backpacking gets you out there and you can practice minimizing because suddenly everything you own for that backpacking trip is on your back. You can't be a hoarder when you're backpacking. Mm -hmm. You'll be a hoarder with a broken back. 
They'll be calling in the paramedics for you. Um, so that right there is a huge lesson. You want it? Carry it. Boy, that makes a difference. And then you can start making a practice because most people enjoy backpacking. The most, the majority of people I've seen go backpacking, some love it. Some are like, oh, that was okay. I'm glad to be back home. But that enjoyable experience next time, downsize. See what you can do without. I love these like lightweight backpackers, even though they still buy a lot of that, you know, expensive crap. But the idea of like reading a book and tearing out the pages after you've read them to stay that light. Wow. What a practice in minimalism. Um, and beyond backpacking, but included in that are the little things you can do. For instance, um, Teresa and I ba- both go barefoot as much as we can. I'm not going to say we do that because we're minimalist. We do it because it feels good. You know, we, we're planning on doing a whole other podcast on bare feet and all the things that that does for us, what that represents for us. But a side effect is we don't wear out our shoes as fast. We're not wearing them all the time. We don't wear them when we don't need to. So this shoe we have, which we try not to get brand new, we get, you know, from a thrift store, we have somebody give it to us, whatever, it lasts longer. Um, Like Teresa said, a bandana. Wow, what a huge device this bandana is. That is like one of the epitomes of modern technology. (laughs) It dries super quick. It's a washcloth. It washes your dishes. Um... It does a lot of things. <laughs> it, you can you can uh, take things from the fire. The it's yeah a, yeah a pot holder. Oven mitt yeah a pot holder. Um, my God, I mean I'm just always like looking for that bandana because I, I have a use for it. Um, toilet paper. The way you wipe your ass. Consider <laughs> that. I know a lot of people who act like if they get a little bit of crap on their hand, you know it's just the end of the world. They will make their hand look like a freaking Q-tip. To wipe their ass. <laughs> Good God. Think about what that does to the toilet, the septic system. Think about the resources that go into making that toilet paper. You yeah. ain't going out there and making your own toilet paper. It takes a factory to make that toilet paper. And, you know, that just adds to that philosophy. Like, for instance, <laughs> I wanted to see how little toilet paper I could do without. And um, I've gotten it down to two squares. So, like, I take two squares of toilet paper, fold them twice, I wipe my ass. If it's one of those, like, really thin (laughs) toilet papers, I might go three squares, even four if I'm feeling really, like, you know, I don't know, uppity that day. But it's the philosophy behind it. That philosophy starts operating in all avenues of your life, and that is the path to simplification and minimalism. Yeah, and I Um, just... And go ahead, Teresa. I, I just wanted to add, if we've lost you with the two squares of toilet paper, because I personally need right now. I need more than that. Um, but just think about as you use it. I had a somewhat unique experience going to Southeast Asia and they don't really use, they have toilet paper for sale for the tourists. Um, but a lot of people there don't use toilet paper. They use a little pitcher of water and not only does it feel cleaner, um, but yeah, it, uh, it also, um, saves people from having to go and buy toilet paper and messing up the pipes that their like city structure isn't meant to handle all of the, the paper that people use. But just to be mindful, whether it's walking barefoot and watching where you walk, whether it's using uh, something like toilet paper and not using like the whole entire roll, um, just to be more mindful of that. And it, it will immediately impact how much money is going away from you 
and it'll start to change your mindset, like Gumby was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thanks, Teresa, because like I'm not trying to say like we all need to use two squares of toilet paper, <laughs> but it's the philosophy behind it. So maybe for you, it's like six squares, you know, but it's the mindfulness, I think, that we're after. Um, pairs of clothes, you know, how many pairs of clothes do you really need? When I had to move into this van, um, or when we decided to move into the van, like, I couldn't take my whole wardrobe. So I had to whittle down, like, I whittled it down to four pairs of clothes. Um, the cons of that, of course, it's less fashionable. You know, I can't, like, wear whatever I want to for any occasion, but I wasn't really that kind of guy anyway, so that wasn't much of a thing. Um, and the pros are it's so easy to wash clothes now. Like, I wash clothes as I take them off. When I change out of clothes, I wash it, so I've got one outfit to wear. Super easy. We're going to talk about hygiene in a later podcast, like how we wash those clothes. But the point is, like, minimizing really helped our freedom. We get to keep going. I don't have to worry about, oh, what am I going to do with this big pile of stinky clothes? Like, now it's a chore. Washing one pair of clothes is barely a chore. I mean, it's just kind of like you do it on your way. Um, But, yeah, any of the little, like, things, the little, like, if you're not ready to get rid of that pile of stuff in your house... What's one thing that you can make less of an impact? Because the idea, you know, the everybody kind of agrees that overpopulation is a problem. And we think that just means human bodies, numbers of bodies. But also, it's been proven over and over by these scientific studies, and I'm not a big fan of science, but I do agree with this. Look at the impactful way that we live, especially in America, but in all first world countries. Um... We need to turn away from that. If we give a damn about our children's future or our grandchildren or even the planet we live on. Teresa and I don't have children. Um, I care about other people's children, but just as much, I care about this meadow here. I'm looking around and like, I want this meadow to be here. I have affection for this meadow. Even when I can't come here anymore, I want to feel like I treated it well. This is a beautiful place. I don't need to be taught that by a guru. I can feel it. So if I give a damn about these things that I pretend to give a damn, there's something I can do, and minimizing is one of them. Less toilet paper, one less square. Is that going to save the world? Hell no. But it's a little tiny momentum towards that direction, because if we all lived as simply as the simplest people on this planet, we'd still have some problems. There's a hell of a lot of human beings. But I guarantee that doomsday clock we keep hearing, we've got another 20 years, we've got another... 15 years. They keep changing it. If we all lived as simply as the third world country people right now, um, that would have to move back, I would think. You know, it would buy us some time anyway to figure out the rest of the stuff. And even if it didn't, it's just a better way to live. I mean, try it. See what it does for you. See the feeling of freedom, the pride that you have in not going along with the consumer herd that they're being milked by the corporations like a bunch of cattle. It feels good not to be a cow. <laughs> um, Teresa? Yeah, I was just saying this morning, um, just to add to what Gumby said, um, we were noticing, like, we parked the van, and it's off this dirt road, and we're at our campsite. So we're not using any fuel right now other than dead pieces of wood Uh, branches to burn in our fire pit and the water that we're using is from the stream that goes through our campsite so we're not like having all the sewer system lines and pipes and everything that goes along with it 
I mean, think, like, think about all the stuff just so that you can have water in your toilet to flush. We're pooping out here, digging holes and giving back to the earth. And our food, while it's not all completely, like, foraged, we have either scavenged from dumpsters or received from food pantries where they've received it from a grocery store that was about to throw it out. So all in all, our our week or however long we're going to spend out here is much less of an impact than even if we had a place and we didn't turn on the AC. I mean, there's still so much of an impact just for having an apartment or a mobile home or a tiny house for that matter. And I can hear some of the arguments to this, and one of the ones that I've run into is people will say, well, everybody can't do that. Do you know what would happen to the to nature if everybody went into the woods and started pooping in the woods <laughs> and making fires? And yeah, I agree. But you think I think for a moment that this podcast is going to reach 100% of the world's population and everybody's going to start doing it? These um, things we're sharing are for the people that want to take another step in that direction or for the people who are already exploring it. And maybe one little tip, and maybe you know everything that we're talking about, but one thing you haven't heard before or heard in a different way, because that's how I learn. Um, I've taken classes over and over and read books over and over. Um, we're reading Carlos Castaneda right now. I don't know how many times I've read through this series of books, and every time I pick up on something new. So hopefully that'll be like that for somebody out there listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in a wilderness survival for a long time. I've uh, taken a lot of classes since 1998 when I took off to be a hobo. One of the things I hitchhiked to was Tom Brown's Tracking Nature and Wilderness Survival School in New Jersey. Um, And since then, I've taken classes with a lot of different people and started teaching it, mostly to kids and some adult programs. Um, But one of the, the things that goes with survival that's kind of an ironic thing when you're trying to be a minimalist is you start seeing use in everything. (laughs) So there's a danger in being a survivalist and being a hoarder. You know, we hear about those hoarders coming from, like, people that have experienced the Depression and World Mm -hmm. War II that know, like, being poor because they start looking around and like, oh, I might have a use for that. I'm not going to throw that out because that would mean I would have to buy it. I might not be able to buy it. Um, We've got a beer bottle right here that I just drank yesterday. Hell, I know I can purify water with it. You know, I fill it up, boil it. That's a great container. I can carry water with it. I can bring it to me. Um, you know, it's kind of like the gods must be crazy when they have the Coke bottle. I can do all kinds of uses <laughs> with that bottle. So it becomes a little bit harder to throw stuff out. So that's sort of an ironic impediment to being a minimalist that I've found. Um, and, yeah, I just have to make some tough choices. I don't really have a great answer for, oh, this is what I've thought about that. It's tough. I just have to look and decide, like, all right, I don't need this. I'm going to have faith that like another beer bottle will be somewhere down the road if I need one and hopefully full of beer, which did happen the last time we came out here. Uh, Found an unopened beer out here. Man, that was a treat. But yeah, just have faith that I'm going to have it when I need it. And so far that's been true. Everything I've needed, I have had. And that's another beautiful thing about getting rid of your stuff. You think you're in control and that's a scary place to be. That's a big responsibility that no human being should carry that weight. And we're taught to carry that weight. We're taught to stay in control. Otherwise, things are scary. You know, you don't have insurance on your life. Do you know what what could happen? Um, but man, when you relinquish that control, when you minimize, when you simplify, a beautiful thing happens. And you find the ground is always, there's enough ground to hold you up. Um, 
I yeah. Was just, I was just going to add, Gumby, that uh, if if I may, I think this is really cute and cool. So Gumby has a few things in my storage unit, but <laughs> he uh, his like he has a very small round laundry basket that includes a pair of boots that he was given. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has some tinder of some sort, like some birch bark or something. That could just be a mouse nest that we haven't cleaned <laughs> out. And, um, and let's see. I think he, he has a wool blanket that his mom gifted to him. Yeah. And and that's pretty much it. I mean, there might be a few dog things in there, just like dog medicine or something. But, I mean, a man that, uh, that has a tinder bundle and a wool blanket... <laughs> in storage because he doesn't need it. <laughs> mm. I, I just think that's really cool. Anyway, here you go. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, I was worried that was going to be more embarrassing. No. <laughs> and another thing I want to say about minima- minimalization, minim- minimalism? Minimizing? Yeah, minimizing. Word. <laughs> is it's not just about getting rid of stuff. Like, it's not a subtraction symbol. Um, like, a lot of people... They're so used to their stuff that it seems like a negative. I'm getting rid of stuff, so in, it is intrinsically a negative. It's less stuff. But I think about the story of the Buddha, you know, where he studied with two yogic teachers and learned all these great ways to meditate, and that didn't get him to the truth he was after. And then he spent years in this, as an ascetic and starved himself, did without. He didn't bathe. He did, did without everything he could, and that didn't get him to the truth. He almost killed himself. And then one day from Hungary, he passes out in the river, and uh, this girl comes by and offers him some, some rice gruel or something. And he eats a little bit. He's supposed to be completely fasting. And a memory flashes to him of a time that he was still at the palace, still a prince, eating all the foods that are offered to a prince, you know, huge luxuries. And he feels that truth that he's been after. It just was a glimmer of it, but he got it right there. And that taught him the middle way. To me... That's another name for minimalism. Having just enough, the stuff that counts, which you find if you try it, you can carry on your back, go backpacking. Um, but yeah, he later told one of his students who used to be a musician that was asking about you know, some further definition of the Dharma, the way, do you remember when you tuned your instrument? What happened if it was too tight? The string would break. What happened if it was too loose? It wouldn't sound right. The middle way is just that that tension between the two. So I'm not encouraging anybody to go be an ascetic. Um, although Teresa mentioned the houseless retreats earlier, so we've gone out on the streets with only two things, and that's also a cool thing to try. Uh, by the end of it, just by scavenging, we had backpacks full of stuff <laughs> that we had made from litter, and it was useful stuff because we had to carry it. It was stuff that counted. But, yeah, so just enough. I'd say that's something to really consider is what counts. Yeah, and I would say that uh, our society has really made some, wow, some interesting uh, beings of us, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's like a nice way of saying this. So um, I noticed in my last job that I worked with a lot of germaphobes. And germaphobes are people that they're just like constantly wiping things down with those like Lysol wipes. They're not only washing their hands with soap, but then they're using the Purell hand sanitizer. And 
and we use hand sanitizer. Like oh, there, we love that stuff. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there are definitely times and places, like, if I'm going to make a meal and I just took a crap in the woods, like, I'm going to at least try to, like, wash my hands in a stream or find some cedar leaves and rub them on that because it's a antimicrobial, right? And dumpster diving. Yeah, and when you're when we're dumpster diving, like we want to use something to keep our hands clean because this is, you know, our health that we're talking about. But I think that our society has um, really made some crazy beings out of us. So I have a topic that I just want to call simplifying our cares. So when we talk about um, like germaphobes, for example, think of all the products that have to be purchased because you're a germaphobe, you're not going to be getting cleaning supplies out of a dumpster. I mean, that would just be disgusting and deplorable. So we have all these sprays and wipes and liquids and gels and all of these things just because we're afraid that life is dirty. Well, life, <laughs> life is dirty. I know at least one germaphobe that does use dumpster stuff, so I hope she's listening. <laughs> Shout out. Oh, but, but yeah, so then there's this whole industry for cleaning products and and toiletries to keep yourself clean. When we're out here in the woods and also in our van when we're in town and we either can find cleaning supplies, very minimal, by the way. Like, in fact, we, for some reason, left our bottle of Windex that we had dumpster dived at the house when we left. And we ended up finding another bottle of Windex um, in a dumpster. But I just went to a gas station that had the paper towels and the squeegee thing for your uh, for your windshield, and we just used that to clean the windows of our van. I mean, I'm not saying everybody do that, but I'm saying if a couple people didn't buy that stuff, then it would be less of it would be more uh, towards what the earth is needing, which is less of an impact from us. And and also with that, thinking about alternatives. So I mentioned Windex, but you don't need to buy Windex. Maybe you've got some vinegar around the house. If you really need to clean something, glass or mirrors, like you can use something that's a dual purpose in your cooking for washing, uh, windows and surfaces. And you can actually use some vinegar to help cleanse your hair. You don't want to use it all the time. Um, Another alternative to buying something would be to make it. And people, including myself, when I was working, um, you know, there's the excuse of, well, I've got a job, I've got kids, I've got this and that going on. When am I going to find time to make soap? Well, at least changing the mindset of thinking something somewhere had to make that soap um, and the bottle that it goes in and not to mention the transport from wherever it was made to the store and then from the store to your house. So thinking about the real cost of buying something new as opposed to either making it yourself or scavenging it or doing without. We actually don't even use dish soap anymore, as an example. We're not germaphobes. We haven't gotten sick. We're actually, I feel like we're building up our tolerance. We could stand a little more germophobia, maybe. (laughs) I feel like... um, we're walking a good path as far as our cleanliness and using like water from a fresh mountain stream. I know not everybody can do that, but we're not using soap in that mountain stream. We're not using it when we pretty much when we go anywhere. So we're, we've just done away with that need in our life to buy it, to seek it out in any way. It's just off of our list. We minimized it right out of our life. 
Yeah, and the minimalization and, and like no fear of germs. I mean, I didn't even wipe my butt or wash my hands before I reached in the donut bag this morning. So, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding about that. I did both. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I couldn't back that up. Socrates said, he who is richest, who is content with the least, because contentment is the wealth of nature. Um, I feel like that's one of the things we're out here exploring and finding the truth of so far. Um, and I say so far because I feel confident I'm on a, a true path. I'm following my heart and my head. And how lucky am I to find something when those two are saying the same thing? Hmm. Um, but yeah, I do find more contentment in my life. Am I free of anxiety? Hell no. There's still plenty to feel anxious about. But some people, I think most people probably, if you're not already doing this, feel like your anxiety increases. And it can, depending on how you do this. You get rid of stuff like to the point where you're living out of your car or out of your backpack. Um, to a lot of people, it just seems like they'd be in mortal constant terror. We have not found that to be the case. Um and I feel like there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, like, we're out in nature a lot. We're, we're doing things that matter to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's the wealth we're after. And I, that's what I'd encourage everybody to do is not to be poor. I'm not asking anybody to be poor. I'm asking you to redefine wealth. Mm-hmm. What people call rich in our society is upside down, it's backwards, and it's freaking crazy. It is a poverty of spirit, a poverty of future, a poverty of security. This is why so many of us are feeling anxiety, a poverty of hope. Noticed how many people are depressed? Mm-hmm. It's, that's the real poverty, and it's being buried in crap because you're a consumer. You're destroying everything that matters. So the more we can back away, and I, by the way, I'm not saying you're as in I'm not. We recognize that we're still in the game. We're still burning gas. Um, yeah. We are not out the door, but we're working on moving towards the door. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could convince everybody to do that. Um, yeah, so, you know, I guess that feeds into the whole class hierarchy and, you know, the security of worrying about your stuff, you know, like getting stolen. Like I said earlier, um, rich men, their property owns them. You know, that burden of why do people want to steal your stuff? Often it's because somebody has less. You know, even us, we're living out of a van, but we're aware we've got two laptops and an iPad. (laughs) Somebody could come along that doesn't have two laptops and an iPad. And even that, I'm not saying I'm ready to get rid of it because we're using this stuff. It's useful, but it has a hidden cost. Mm -hmm. I have to worry about locking the van. I might want to air out the van, but I've got stuff in there. I don't want somebody with less stuff to take. I'm still stuck in the game. And I feel like the first step towards the solution is seeing it, not seeing it out there. It's easy to point fingers, seeing it right here. So the first thing I concern myself with, and, you know, I don't want this to seem too preachy, like I'm telling everybody else how to be like us, is where we're failing. We were just talking this morning during a walk of, like, where our food comes from. We boycotted, um, you know, buying new food, which I feel good about. But there's so much more to learn about eating food right off the land. If society collapsed right now, I'd be so thankful, but we would be struggling like everybody else. No (laughs) doubt about it. It's not like we're the, you know, two wilderness experts that have it figured out by any means. Um, Some things that have helped me with getting more simplicity in my life 
is I feel like technology is the epitome. It is the manifestation of complexity, which is also discontentment. Mm. Technology is the embodiment of discontentment, I believe. And it adds complexity to our life. People feel like they have to be accessible all the time. What an epiphany when Teresa and I got rid of our cell phones. We started thinking, well, we're the only people really text back and forth, you know, and we're paying this bill. Teresa got her stolen, decided not to get another one. A few months later, um, I just decided to downsize a bill because I was kind of inspired by what she was doing. We haven't had phones in, what, a year? Um, I have not had a phone in almost two years. I believe it got stolen in September of 2017. And we have not missed it. I'm not going to say there's not every now and then, like, some kind of thing that comes up like, oh, it'd be handy to have a phone now. And we had flip phones, by the way, so we didn't even get addicted to the whole smartphone and all that stuff. Who steals a flip phone? But, yeah, that technology, it is definitely (laughs) complexity. Even this iPad. Like, whenever I go into town, I immediately, one of the things I start seeking is uh, Wi-Fi. I didn't need it before, but now I almost feel like I need it. It's right up there on the top of my priority list. Got to check my messages. I don't have any important messages. All the important stuff is right out here. It's fires. It's grass. It's sun. It's wind. Um, so yeah, it's just that downsizing that, saying no, putting that stuff away, seeing what you can get rid of, I think really helps simplify. Technology, I think, is one of the worst poisons feeding our complicated life right now. Um, yeah. I just have a quick question. Maybe some of our listeners might also have the same question, and that is, if you're so against technology, why are you doing these podcasts? Well, that is a complicated issue, and yeah, I'm glad you asked that, because I've been asked that before, and uh, it's not one I have a pat answer for. For me, the real, the biggest evil of technology is buying it new, because I've researched where the parts that go into a computer come from. You're feeding the system, the organization, organization that produces technology. So I feel a little bit better about getting my technology, like trading dumpster stuff for it, or getting it for free. Um, That doesn't address the distraction of it, and that is a tricky one. Mm -hmm. We don't have Wi-Fi. That helps. So I can only check my technology maybe three times a day if we're in town the whole time. Then we come out here in the mountains where we want to be, and all I can use my technology for basically out here is a timer and this, making a podcast. Um, so I feel like, I feel like for me to boycott technology, since I'm not ready to go live in the middle of the woods right now, is to, for me, act like it's not the time I'm living in. This is one of the tools. This is one of the ways to connect with people, Mm -hmm. um, to get your voice heard. And I may change my mind about it. That's, there are certain things in my life I feel confident about that I feel like you ask me my views on poverty, they're going to be about the same next year. I, I've really explored that. Technology's an iffy one. I might completely change my mind about technology any minute. But uh, I feel like it's just a tool in the way I'm living. I've reduced the danger of it, but have not eliminated it. It can still be a huge distraction. Um, I just wanted to add something, though, too. Like You, you mentioned briefly the uh, the podcasts were like a way to reach people and to to get your message out there. And I just think that's really important because I mean even though you might not agree with everything that technology is, you know, 
like trespassing in our lives in a way, I feel like it's still worthy to look at as a tool in this moment, like in society right now, because we've tried to have meetups. We've tried to have person to person interactions and y'all are just not found. I mean, (laughs) Facebook, it's funny. Like you ask a person of a certain age right now and they're like, oh, I'm not, I don't, I don't use Facebook. I'm not, no, I don't. I haven't used, I actually have never used Facebook and it's like, okay, so you you don't use Facebook. Maybe you use Instagram or some other stuff like that. I mean, where are you? And like I was running or trying to run a, uh, a Facebook page and this was something that I was really excited about. I wanted people to, to be engaged, to ask questions and like come out and have these, uh, experiences with us, whether it's like weaving a basket or like, uh, going on a mushroom foraging hike. No one showed up like seven people signed up on the Facebook page and another eight somewhere else. And no one showed up. So we're hoping that podcasts might be that middle way step of like, okay, so we can't like see you face to face. We're not ready to absolutely give up and walk off into the woods never to be heard from again. So podcasts are kind of like our way to to tell our story and our experiences and also to maybe interact with you in some way. (laughs) Yeah, and even if I had the skill level, which I don't believe I do... um... Although more and more what I'm learning about survival is it's less in my hands than I've, I used to think. It's not just about skill level. Um, but I wouldn't want to. Um, I really enjoy and find purpose in trying to help people. And uh, that is a word, a loaded word, the helpers. Um, I talk about that a lot, and I'm not an approver of the so-called helpers for the most part. Um to me, a lot of damage is done by people with the intention of helping. But I do like sharing. Uh, that's one of the reasons I like working with kids. And I feel like, um, yeah, technology helps me share. And that's what this podcast is meant to be. Not that we've got anything figured out and we're telling people what to do. We're hoping we can share a resource that we had trouble finding. Um, I'm always looking for like people that are talking about their experiences on the street. And I have found it really hard to find. So hopefully we'll be one more voice out there and maybe we'll be more easily findable with any luck for people who are also exploring it for, you know, little uh, 20 year old Gumby out there who's like figuring out all this crap the hard way. You know, maybe I'd give you some shortcuts and maybe because you got some shortcuts, you're going to get by the time you're 42, which is my age now, you'll be way further ahead than I am. You might have escaped escaped society instead of uh, still being in the process. Um, But a couple more tips before we go for. Simplicity. Um, Another thing I'd avoid is multitasking. Um, And that leads to another thing that I find is really important out here, which is meditating. Sitting down and shutting up. Those two elements, stillness and quiet. Um, I do a sit spot in the afternoon where I just sit in the woods. There's no rules to it. Sometimes I just sit there and like daydream. Um, And I do a more formal style of, I think it's called Shamatha meditation from the Buddhist tradition where I sit in Burmese style with my legs on a little meditation cushion and a tarp outside to just try to find a quiet place. And I just follow my breath for a half hour. And what I'm practicing is non-reactivity and observation. All these things that come up, these thoughts that pass, I just kind of watch them go. That helps me simplify because that complexity is like a beast that lives in my head. Like I said, it follows you everywhere. Wherever you go, there you are. You think you're going to quit your job and your life's going to get simple? You're going to fill your life like 
Teresa, you saw that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Teresa quit her job, same thing. You know, the complexity followed her into her domestic life. Um, so watching it, looking that, that devil in the eye when I meditate over and over every morning and realizing that's not me. I can choose something else. Um, that helps me simplify. So I take that and I try not to multitask. If I have something to do, if I can, make time to do it. Like, like I said, for the middle class... I have cleaned houses, I've walked their dogs, and the reason why they're hiring other people to do this is they don't realize that it's all the same practice. Walking your dog is as important as paying your phone bill. That might sound ridiculous to some people, but it really is. Um, Sweeping the floor, you know, I mean, I feel like in the right mindset, you could open your refrigerator and see a moldy ham sandwich and become enlightened. It's all the same practice. Get rid of that freaking hierarchy of importance. Making money is number one Mm -hmm. and on down to scrubbing your toilet. That's something you hire somebody else to do because you're successful. Mm. Bull crap. I mean, (laughs) yeah. So just making everything your practice, that helps me simplify. And uh, Teresa, are there any final thoughts on this that you want to add? Well, I guess, um, yeah, there is one final thought at least. I was thinking about um, all the three topics that you just kind of covered under that simplicity umbrella, the technology, multitasking, and having in within your life meditative practices, not just going to a yoga ashram, you know, three times a week and, and sitting there or a Buddhist temple or something like that, but just working it into your life. And I often find, um, because I have a lot of friends with kids, and it's not them necessarily, but I find a, like the majority of parents and even people who aren't parents either anymore or they're like hoping to be or whatever they're they're making the excuse that they don't have time and I mean I think that's what the simplicity mindset is all about is like realizing wherever you go there you are you're never going to have time you have to change it in yourself and why is it important why does it matter if you're making your child's lunch as opposed to buying it in a little plastic tray because every choice that you're making now affects not only your children but everybody else's children and their grandchildren it's not just about this moment that you're making this easier choice it's about realizing that while you can lead a simpler life you can also think about the health of our planet Yeah, and I've had parents um, get mad at me before and say, you know, you just don't get it. We're barely getting by. Like, it's it's everything we can do. And it's true. I don't have kids, so ultimately I don't get it. But I also see those people making a lot of choices that they could say no to. And I don't think that's some kind of weird thing that happens in the parents' world. I think that's just a responsibility we all have to start agreeing on is say no. Unplug more. Unplug for your kid. Um, I teach nature education. It's, it's (laughs) strange to say the least to have, um, parents that can afford camps, bring their kids to camp. Um, and these kids often like are leaving devices, heading right back to devices, talking about their devices during the day. Some even smuggle in a device, which I promptly, uh, take or tell them to keep in their backpack. Um, to learn about some of this stuff, you know, the simplicity and everything, because they know their kids need it. Um, Yeah, you can start bringing that into the home, and unless you do, 
it doesn't matter what camp your kid goes to. It doesn't matter what little hour-long class they take. It needs to be in their life, and that's got to come from the parents um, and all of us because ultimately I believe it's not just your children. I think that's the poison of our culture talking. They're all our children. Mm -hmm. We should all act like all children are everybody's children because that is all of our future. I haven't, my bloodline ends with me, but my teachings, the things I've learned, I've gotten to spread that all over the place. All of us are, are ourselves go on. Um, so yeah, going on a tangent there. <laughs> but uh, Therese, any last thoughts? And if you want to take us out. Oh, yep. Uh, so I mentioned earlier, and I know we're, we're talking about technology here, but this is our this is our platform for reaching you. So if you have any questions for us or you want to share your stories, maybe you're mad about something that we've talked about or you're like really exuberant and you want to share like something that you've already implemented in your life, please contact us. And um, I believe Anchor has a button for like recording a message. And I was really hesitant to try it because, I mean, even though I'm recording my voice right now, I don't really want to. But if you don't want us to play it, like we can just we can just read whatever you said. Um, but, yeah, please contact us and share with us anything, any topics you want to have covered, anything like that. And we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye.